Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films viewers cannot get enough of. Today I'm joined in the studio, obstructed by a mic arm, by writer Tessa Strain. Hi, hi, writer. (laughs) Hi, Tessa. How are you? Hi, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. How's your LaCroix? It's uh, refreshing. There There were options. Tangerine LaCroix, Grapefruit Spindrift. Lemon Spindrift, yeah, and you chose that. I chose Tangerine. Do you have like a brand uh, commitment? No, I Spindrift tastes too much like fruit. Okay, no, yeah, you like. <laughs> you know the when people flavor. when people complain about I, and okay, so I'm gonna out myself as one of the like LaCroix. Pro- mm-hmm. I just can't read it the way I know it's meant to be read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know when people complain that it's like it's like someone whispers a fruit in yeah. your ear. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I want. That's what you want. I want basically water. I like. I mean, I think it, there's a time and a, a place. Little... I felt. I felt like there's something. I feel a little hungry. I didn't have breakfast, uh-huh. so this feels more substantial <laughs> because it has a little puree it's in true. it. True. Yeah. 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 Or something. You're getting a vitamin in there. But I do enjoy artificial flavors. I was just talking yeah. about this. I was at a baby shower on Sunday, mm-hmm. and the dessert there was a tray of um, a humongous tray of Italian cookies, like oh, Italian wow. bakery cookies. Yeah. 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 And like all Italian bakery cookies taste like fake almond and fake pistachio and it's like i love those, those flavors, great flavors. So much. <laughs> fake pistachio is just uh, i just like give me a false nut and... i want <laughs> i want every baked good to taste like fake pistachio and fake almond yeah anyway we're here to talk about penny dreadful which is your favorite show of all time <laughs> uh yeah sure we're not going to talk about it yet though because once we start that, we'll never stop. Penny no, Dreadful. you're going to ha- turning off the faucet. You're going to need a wrench. It's... <laughs> yeah. Or some sort of, I don't know, weird device that's only in the universe of Penny yeah, Dreadful. Yeah, like a gruesome Penny Dreadful appropriate. Yeah. Um, What's well, like the co- the gothic equivalent of a wrench. Before we do that, do you have your phone? Because I, I told you yes. this is the new thing I've okay. been doing. And again, I keep I always say this. It feels like an invasion of privacy, but I promise I won't go through your texts and your emails and all these things and I your mean, calendar you could, events. You won't find anything okay. exciting in there. But you know, like just holding someone else's phone, you feel like I do well, feel vulnerable. You feel vulnerable, and then yeah. I feel powerful. But it's like I have to use this power wisely. Okay, so you've got at the top. Okay, at the top of your of your account, love is blind. Not surprising. So, this is everywhere. Oh yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Me either. <laughs> not sure if I'm going to. If someone on the show wants, is like, I'm obsessed with Love is Blind, then I'm going to be like, I have to watch Love is Blind. Reality until that TV, I'm, I'm very, very choosy about. Mm-hmm. I do like Terrace House and Vanderpump Rules, and I'm mostly, that's the two. But Vanderpump Rules is like l- widely seen as like the ultimate reality show. Like it's the, it's the most, it's art. It's also, those are my peers. I'm <laughs> aging with them. Like mm-hmm. we, we've grown over yeah. the years. You know, I had a crappy service job for like a little too long mm-hmm. into my adulthood and it uh, distorted my brain much as the it's cast members <laughs> of Vanderpump Rules have had their brains distorted. Love is Blind seems like a little too much though for yeah. me. It's an intense premise. <laughs> Everyone loves it and I just, I don't need that right now in my life. It feels a little like Verhoeven. Like, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Like I, some. That's how I felt when I was watching The Circle. I was like, yeah. someone's going to emerge. Like a very famous director is going to emerge from the back of this. Like we're going to see David Lynch, David Lynch after this is done, or like Werner Herzog. Uh-huh. Werner Herzog is going to take off like a voice. Yeah. This is all a cruel thing. experiment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you've got so that's happening. Yeah. You've got my list. Let's start at my okay. list. Okay. Happy as Lazaro. It's okay. pretty good. Yeah, that's what I heard. It's pretty good. Yeah. Purple Rain. Yeah. Can I say something? I've never seen it. Uh, The first time I saw it was during Hurricane Sandy. 
Really? Yeah. I was at home with uh, my now husband and our roommate at the time, mm-hmm. and we were like, time to watch Purple Rain. <laughs> we watched Purple Rain and Akira, and I'm like scarred for life. Uh, I Double watched feature. Twister during Sandy. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. a nightmare. I Why would Twister. you do that? I don't know. I like Twister, genuinely. And it's then, a good movie. Oh, you've got... Got... Oh, yeah, no, be- because, I mean, we know, well, we've talked about yeah, why it's talked a good movie, it. which is that Helen Hunt plays a Bill Paxton character and Bill Paxton plays <laughs> a Helen, Helen Hunt, Hunt character. character. <laughs> which is one of your greatest observations. Thank um, you. Oh, the, okay, Anna Karenina, yeah. the Joe Wright Anna Karenina, okay, which I so love. Okay, so I do too. I'm a, I'm a defender. I love it. It's so weird. I, Make a weird choice. The guest last week, Richard Lawson, when we were talking about new movies, mm-hmm. it was like all the new licensed movies added to Netflix. And then it was like Anna Karenina versus something. And he was like, well, I hate both of those movies. Wrong. And I was just quietly like, I can't. Well, too, I feel like everyone who was like sort of gobsmacked by Matthew McFadden on Succession, mm-hmm. I was like, Karenina heads already knew he had it in him. Like, Joe Wright's known. Yeah. Joe Wright has <laughs> known. Um, Horse Girl, good. Batman Begins, interesting. Okay. So... Why is this here? <laughs> Your next three, interesting. I All right. So, okay. First of all, it, you know, I share this account. But secondly, uh, I have a soft spot for Christopher Nolan. I really, okay. I really, really love Christopher Nolan I, against my better judgment. I'm laughing, um, but that's not in any no, way some I have sort of extremely, judgment. like, when people are like, oh, this is just like... <laughs> crappy film bro taste I was like yes same <laughs> I I tried to watch uh this was a few weeks ago uh it was really late at night and I, I I was with my husband and I was like hey let's put on 20 minutes of inception and he was like you're not gonna watch 20 minutes of inception and he was right I watched it you all. watched it all. <laughs> uh, and that's not even one of the good ones really no no, I I do I like Batman Begins and I like The Dark Knight. That one's not my favorite. Is actually I don't like The Dark Knight. I you don't like to do like The Dark like Knight the Dark, Rises. I like The Dark Knight Rises. See, Tom I, Hardy. That's Tom really Hardy it. is very good he's, in The Dark Knight he's Rises. Too, he's he I I think what he, a fun voice too. Yeah, um, he loves a fun voice. I think my favorite, I think my favorite is probably The Prestige. Yes, that's the best one. Yeah. Yeah, unquestionably. And I want to rewatch Interstellar because when I when Interstellar yeah. ended, the thought I had was mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I feel like when I watch this in 15 years, it's going to be my favorite one. Yeah. T- to me, the prestige because the premise is so campy, campy and then yeah. treated with such seriousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know that he's ever going to do anything that will equal that mm-hmm. in my eyes. He's uh, too successful now. Yeah. Yeah. No. He's he, too, like, he's not his... going to do anything that weird again. What's his new one called? Tenet. Tenet. I mean, I'll see it. Yeah, I'll see it. But the trailer, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is you've leaned really f- like yeah. far into what you are known for now, mm-hmm. and there's no going back. Yeah. Kill Bill Volume Two. Yeah. Have you seen it before? I've seen it. Okay. I mean, uh, most of these. So a lot of the movies that okay. are on there are kind of saved ones. I like to revisit. Mm-hmm. Like The Talents of Mr. Ripley, which I could revisit Talented every Mr. night of my life. Absolutely, I could revisit The Talented Mr. Ripley every night of my life and be happy. It's so good. Everyone, like, it was at their peak hotness. Mm-hmm. They're on Italian vacation. On- <laughs> There's a little bit of murder. A few more here that I've just, I'm just okay. happy to see. Yeah. I'm really happy to see Magnolia. Yeah. You're from Los Angeles. Magnolia I'm from is the a, Valley. It's, it's so your, my the Valley. School, this is your biopic. My high school was on Magnolia. Wow. Yeah. So wow. no, uh, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. He's my home hometown boy made good. Mm. He's my valley guy. How do you feel about his uh, embrace of Heim? 
Oh my god, I love it. Doesn't obviously, it make, isn't it great? Obviously, I isn't love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that video where they're just walking they're just down walking? Ventura Boulevard, mm-hmm. and I was like, I spent my entire adolescence. I was just watching it with <laughs> tears streaming down my eyes. Yeah, uh, no, humiliating to love it so much, but I do. Uh, I'm just kind of speeding through these. Yeah. Catfight. I love that movie. That movie's great. Isn't it amazing? So underrated. I love Catfight. Everyone go watch Catfight. It's amazing. Catfight I did not know it was on Netflix. It's a masterpiece. It's so good. It's. I mean, it's demented. It's, it's very, demented. It's exhilarating. Very... They're giving the most. I mean, it, it's Anne not. Anne Heche sur- is so off the wall in that. It's like. And so is Sandra. But it's like yeah. they're giving the sort of performances that, like, if they were given by Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie in a movie that cost fifty million dollars, they would absolutely. absolutely both get nominated for best absolutely. actress. Absolutely. Like it's if like that, that movie, movie didn't cost twelve dollars. They it's do incredible. so much with twelve dollars. <laughs> they do. Okay, we're done with my list. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna go on to continue watching. Okay, so this is more of a mixed bag because I will say, like Jeff you and share it with I, your husband. yeah, we 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 are in the primary control of the my list for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Yeah, because he, he has family members that uh, share this account, mm-hmm. and. They don't really save things to the list, but they watch a lot. Okay. So this is where it's going to get a little. <laughs> this is my favorite thing I about continue watching okay. the red line. Like, where does the red line end? Yeah. Where does the thin red line mm-hmm. end? You've got what thirty minutes of Francis Ha? There, I Why always did that turn off. I always have thirty minutes of Francis Ha. <laughs> it's like a different thirty minutes. I mean, that's a movie that I will turn on. I love Francis Ha. Like I have that on while I'm eating breakfast. Okay. I'll okay. vacuum. I, I've seen that movie so many times. I own it on Blu-ray and I still watch it on Netflix <laughs> just because it's like, I don't have to put a disc in. A Most Violent Year, I think, is a little more peculiar having just watched 30 minutes. So that one I haven't seen. I don't know who watched. Your mom, maybe? Um, could that be your mom? I would I would think that could be Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Or Jeff's okay. sister. It's possible. Uh, your last it. Your last custom category which okay. I have never seen before okay. but I love it and I'm sad that I've never seen it critically acclaimed movies about fame oh my god oh <laughs> that's no, a that's, good category that seems very you that's tailored yeah you got Raging Bull yeah great the end of the tour which I haven't seen I have not bombshell what yeah. is that the movie about um Hedy Lamar oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh because it's a, a mm-hmm. pun because the, yeah. the missile guiding sure um my week with Marilyn which is fine whatever sure the Other Side of the Wind, which is... Okay, did you watch it? I did. I Isn't loved it. Isn't it really great? I love it. <laughs> it's really great. And what was the movie called? The documentary is also great. The oh, complimentary one. You know, I haven't actually watched that it's, one yet. Yeah. It's it's as good. And yeah. it makes you... It made me rewatch The Other Side of the Wind at home. I should watch it. It's really, really good. Yeah, I loved Other Side of the Wind. Um, And then Spock. The son of actor Leonard Nimoy directs this moving look at his father's portrayal of Spock, the iconic Star Trek character he played. I've never seen this. No, no. Why not? I'm not a big Star Trek person, but that Me sounds either. interesting. I didn't, a critically acclaimed movie. Didn't catch that bug. And then a documentary on Mike Tyson, which I don't need to watch. No, no, I could live. <laughs> Great feed. Thank I feel you. like it is. Fun. I mean, especially when there's a guest that I like know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I see you in this. Yeah. Like I, it's like I'm reading like terror. I mean, or critically something. acclaimed movies, movies about, about fame, fame is. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wildly up my alley. Okay, we're gonna talk about Penny Dreadful. Oh my god! You've been wanting <laughs> to talk about Penny Dreadful on the show for a while. There have been some conflicts. We finally got you in the studio. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I'd never seen it. Okay. So the thing about Penny Dreadful, it is a Showtime series. It is three seasons. Yeah. It's over. All yeah. of them are on Netflix now. It's done. Great. And I think the first thing to say about Penny Dreadful is that. Let me repeat myself. It was a Showtime show. 
Extremely. And I feel like even more so than most premium cable networks, Showtime's going to be a tough sell for people. Like if it's HBO, there's some, like the hierarchy, it's low sure. on there. You're like, uh, I get, because the barrier to entry just seems really high. And even though- Well, they're not a brand the same way HBO yeah. or even like FX They're is sort of all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, I do love Homeland, but I've seen a lot of show, Showtime shows that I hated. Right. And even Homeland gets completely bonkers and not good for a while. So it's kind of unsurprising that a lot of people aren't familiar with Penny Dreadful because it was on Showtime. Right. But now it's on Netflix. Yeah. Why should people watch it? And how did you discover it? Okay, so I discovered it uh, actually when it first landed on Netflix, which was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I it, it seemed very up my alley <laughs> <laughs> because I'm kind of, I, I'm sort of a nerd for gothic literature. Mm-hmm. And this is very much like gothic literature fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched about 10 minutes of it and I was like, I hate this. And I turned it off (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) cut to, uh, last year, uh, my very good friend, Tony Wilson, uh, had been watching it and we sort of talk about this, like I had gotten him to read Dracula for the first time Mm -hmm. and he loved it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I've been watching Penny Dreadful on my commutes, which first of all is brave because like this is. I mean, if you want to know, like, what the, like, Showtime house style, if I were to extrapolate from this, Mm -hmm. it's, like, extra gory, a whole lot more nudity. It's very, and I mean, some of this, too, is just the subject material. It is very much a penny dreadful, which I guess for anyone who doesn't know, they were, like, crappy little pamphlets that Mm -hmm. were distributed sort of uh, Victorian era England and they would be anything from like true crime to westerns to ghost stories Mm -hmm. but like what united them all was that they were garbage and they were cheaply produced and they were titillating. They were like Victorian pulp fiction kind of right? Absolutely yeah yeah yeah. So he gave me the hard sell on it and (laughs) while also being like but don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows you right? Yeah no absolutely so uh, I got back into it and I was absolutely like all in this time. When did it turn? Um, on the last episode, we were talking about how as we've come to start binging shows mm-hmm. more frequently, like we're so used to having every show available to us. Right. Where there's not that like anticipation and we don't necessarily think of things as like a whole because they're broken up by weeks or more. Sure. When we have all of this, when all of them presented to us at once, we've started noticing when shows kind of turn mm-hmm. in that first season when they kind of get you hooked. How long did that take when you revisit? I mean, revisited this time it? going back to it, it was kind of out of the gate. And I think part <laughs> of it was it, you know, it had a certain shamelessness about how it presents its premise. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the way, and I, I guess this is uh, episode two. I was rewatching them recently, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure where these all happen. But again, it was like my inclination was sort of to mainline it. But they introduce characters, and they have some characters who are sort of more types than actual figures from gothic literature mm-hmm. and then some who are just like our old public domain friends. Yeah. And when it's someone with a familiar name, the camera has this way of pushing in on their face as they introduce Frankenstein. Like, Victor Frankenstein, please <laughs> yeah. to me. Or hello, I'm Dorian Gray. And <laughs> yeah. you know, it's uh <laughs> It's the show is ultimately it's like Showtime saw that Game of Thrones, like genre fiction was successful and they were like, how do we do this? We don't own any licensing rights to anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, the glory of public domain. Yeah, right? and it's kind of, I mean, if you are familiar with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen mm-hmm. to the uh, the comic, they very carefully 
use not the same characters mm-hmm. as that. I mean, some of that falls away later, but they're they're very so much they be- like, okay, so you have Mina Harker. We're going to have her fictional father, Malcolm Murray, <laughs> who's played by like Timothy Dalton, who actually I think gets the tone of the show better than anyone. He's very... Uh, both committed and campy. Yeah, and I that when I I didn't know he was in it until I watched the pilot. Yeah, and it was weird because I never thought I would have that sort of visceral response to Timothy <laughs> Dalton of all people because I didn't know I had a connection. He's a nice but surprise, he, and he's like actually prestige and I didn't know they had yeah. that prestige anchor that all these shows sort of need. At they the, at they the really uh, they really do, and I think there's a very there's a very wide mix of everyone on this show is kind of in a different show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Eva Green's character Vanessa is a, is, a, is a creation. She's, she's not. She's totally she's not based in unique to the show. Okay, yeah. and she's a medium. She's a so medium. what is the conceit of the show for people who haven't so watched it? Which cons- I assume is most people. Yeah. No offense. No, no, no. To Penny I'm, Dreadful, I'm not to you. To <laughs> change their minds. Sam Mendes um, was also involved in the production of this, right? He was no one kidding. of the co-creators. Okay, that I didn't know. I think I he's a co-creator. Was, oh my he God. he EP'd the first few episodes okay. or something. Let me get this right. Um, he is the EP of the series. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the premise or how it kind of starts is, uh, again, sort of using Mina Harker from Dracula as Mm -hmm. a jumping off point, though she's off screen. Uh, So we have her dad, who's like an Alan Quartermain kind of colonialist adventure type problematic um and <laughs> oh man that tip of the iceberg the show is it gets into all of that kind of okay i mean it yeah it, it's very much aware of like the world in which these stories emerged and that it isn't good mm-hmm. um but at the same time it has its cake and eats it too which is <laughs> you know the penny dreadful manifesto i guess and then vanessa ives who is this medium who has from the gate, we we sense that she has a strange relationship with religion, like mm-hmm. has kind of lost her faith. And she was a childhood friend of Mina's. Mina has disappeared. Uh, okay. And so these two are going to gather together a team, Ocean's Eleven style, to rescue Find her. her. Okay. Yeah. And also investigate these murders that have been happening around London. And some of the murders are committed by these creatures including vampires yeah definitely vampires and because i'm new to the because i'm new oh, to yeah. the series is the larger population aware that these creatures exist or no. are they a secret they're a secret they're a secret yeah. okay and so so that's like when you've got the josh hartnett character who is the outsider who's just the the dopey american who clearly yeah. has a past yes who's like witnessing it for the first time like everyone else like yeah. he's the audience right yeah. like he's kind of our entry point okay. as being like he's 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 traveling with a wild west show mm-hmm. and gets recruited into this project because they're like you're this a project. weirdo with a gun you mm-hmm. know and she keeps saying like you're not what you appear and she keeps saying this she does like the cold reading thing on Mm -hmm. it's very much a a repeat of her introduction in Casino Royale Um, (laughs) I feel like she does the same character over and over again she does it so well in the best way like I love it she does it with total commitment and Mm -hmm. I think like her character is very much doesn't hold together in a lot of ways and she kind of holds it Mm -hmm. together really well uh, okay. Whereas Josh Hartnett's character, there's sort of nothing there, and that's exactly what he plays, which is beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's part of what I would uh, like a grand tradition of 
Okay, so can I reveal a spoiler here? <laughs> yes. I have to. Spoilers, to make his character as many spoilers as you need. make sense is at the end of season one, we discover he is the Wolfman, which... What? Yes. <laughs> what? Gen- genuinely surprised me, which is... Oh, that's what you were saying? You so, were surprised by a thing you shouldn't have been surprised by? Yeah, it's telegraphed so, so heavily. There's a moment at the London Zoo where he makes wolves back off simply by making eye contact with them. Does he know he's the Wolfman until that moment? He knows the whole time. Oh, That's why he left America. He knows the okay. whole time. Oh, so he doesn't like become so, the Wolfman. He yeah, so Got he, and, and two, if you've like seen the original Wolfman with Long Chaney mm-hmm. Jr. So it's part of a genre I've made up called Galootcore, which <laughs> is, you know, it's like a, the just the pathos of being a big dumb guy mm-hmm. who's, who's struggling mm-hmm. and like <laughs> <laughs> like I, I would say uh, Josh Hartnett very much playing Galoot Core like Magic Mike is Galoot Core Magic Mike XXL is not Galoot Core because okay. there is yeah. no pathos right okay the de Blasio presidential campaign is Hardcore galoot core, like <laughs> like a lot of the was. presidential campaigns this year have been galoot core. Just okay. like just you know Tom a Steyer big guy core, like yeah. stumbling around in the forest yeah. in his shirt sleeves and he's a monster. <laughs> What's he gonna do? So that's what Josh Hartnett conveys so beautifully. <laughs> and as do you think the show requires a familiarity with these sort of like gothic novels or at least the characters or is there? Is it fun without it? I think it's probably more rewarding if you have that, but I don't think you really need it. It very much serves everything up to you on a platter. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are definitely, like, kind of in-jokes and things about, like, uh, partway through the first season, they introduced the Grand Guignol Theater, which was actually a theater in Paris that Mm -hmm. did these Penny Dreadfuls, but on stage. Mm -hmm. And they just moved it to London for the show because it was more convenient. And so they could be like, look, here's our trashy antecedent. (laughs) Um, This is exactly what we're doing. Okay. Which is, again, I I feel like it's very self-aware <laughs> and you are a fan of i think specifically i know that you really love the francis for coppola dracula yes. yeah. and do you think this has a lot in common with those sort of like campy very elaborate gothic adaptations that were kind of trendy in the early 90s yeah like, i would it's... say it has more in common with kenneth Branagh's frankenstein okay. than uh with Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, definitely Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. You can tell it was an inspiration, but it's not mm-hmm. okay. executed quite as elegantly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that sort of high camp and the shaggy dogness of gothic literature. Mm-hmm. It's you read a, a gothic novel and it's eight hundred pages long, and like I mean, it is sort of like watching TV in that there are all these plot threads that sort of have nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. and you have to. I guess for for, into it. for the uninitiated, like sure. explain the hallmarks of gothic literature as you know them, and I think just like gothic fiction broadly, sure, as it pertains to this and okay. novels. I'm not I'm not exactly an expert here, but um, I I mean definitely like a lot of like a huge uh, sexual undercurrent mm-hmm. is really big, and here it's more of an overcurrent. Yeah. <laughs> it's it did the very it did yeah, the very um <laughs> it did the cable TV thing where immediately they were like we have to have gore and we have to have gratuitous sex like yeah. and nudity right. Right out of the gate, yeah. so people know what you know what you're for. getting yeah. into. Yeah, which I think Gothic novels do as well. Absolutely, and it is kind of yeah. Um, I think there's sort of an omnivorous quality to it, especially with Dracula. That it's like there is a cowboy in Dracula. Why mm-hmm. is there a cowboy in Dracula? <laughs> well, because like that's what Bram Stoker was into. Mm-hmm. It has. There's no reason for a cowboy to be there. And again, this just wholesale borrows that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that works. Okay. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be a cowboy? I've read Frankenstein, but I've never read Dracula. How long is Dracula? Dracula's a lot longer than Frankenstein. Because mm-hmm. Frankenstein's a pretty short little book. Yeah. I would say Dracula is more entertaining, less good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Frankenstein's um, legitimately good. Dracula's not really good, but it's sort of... Uh, Great. For someone who is like on the fence about watching this show, mm-hmm. is is every season sort of self like? Of course, there's like a larger arc, but like every season has its own mystery. Like, is yeah. Mina found at the end? Yeah. Blah, so blah, the blah, first blah. season like, is definitely about like Mina. about Mina. Mm-hmm. They got to find Mina. They got to get to this clutch of vampires. Mm-hmm. The second season is about this coven of witches. Okay. And the third season. <laughs> Excuse me. Had witches been introduced already in this universe? One of the characters who ends up being a witch. Is introduced, mm-hmm. okay. and then they're like, "Okay, so so uh, this show also shamelessly kind of retcons what the overarching uh, point of the show is Every frequently." Season. Okay, okay. Yeah. What is? <laughs> and it always it always uh, is around Vanessa. So okay. in the first season, I, they connected to Egyptology somehow. Okay. Oh and yeah, because like, they were like the Egyptian hieroglyphics. Yeah, on, that sort of gets know. abandoned, and it's like, okay, so it's actually just <laughs> Satan who's mm-hmm. after Vanessa, season two. Yeah. And then season three, and I do think one of the all-time great TV retcons is it's not Satan. It's Satan's brother. <laughs> okay. Who is Dracula. Who is Dracula. <laughs> who is Dracula. And that's not He canon. doesn't show up until season three. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that. Is the appeal of this show the spectacle, or is it about the surprise, or is it about like like the the atmosphere, or is it like all three? I think. What is so satisfying? about I think it? the spectacle, okay. in in large part, because it's expensive. Me. This is high production values. Like yeah, this is not trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I and I do think there is kind of an om- omnivorous having it all mm-hmm. quality uh, to it. It's very more is more, which I love. Yeah. Um, and then Patty Lupone shows up in season two. She does. She does. Is she a monster? Uh, no, she's like a, she's Patty Lupone. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like just... a witch slash midwife. Okay. And then she shows up again in season three as a totally different character who is uh, Vanessa's alienist, her shrink. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm yeah. familiar with the with the alienist. With the alienist, yeah. Which didn't last. Uh, no. Poor Did thing. not have the lasting power no. <laughs> of say a penny dreadful. Does the does the show because it ended after season mm-hmm. three, and I think it entered production in season three, knowing it would be the final season. So is, they allege that they allege if that. If you watch okay. how it ends, it does not seem like they actually. <laughs> is knew. it satisfying though? Like, are you happy with those three seasons? Yeah, I don't okay. know that there's more to do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also what it I was wondering. Burns like, through a lot of plot. <laughs> It's one of those shows where it's like, I understand why, I completely understand the appeal of this, like mm-hmm. why you would want to make this a show, especially back when it was first announced, sure. like the, the the TV landscape at the time. But it's like, I feel like you will just run out of monsters. Like you will run out of these stories because so much of it lies in like the surprise of things being introduced. And at some point, like you've done the Wolfman, you've done the witches, yeah. you've done Dracula, you've done all these things. And yeah. it's like, you got to just end it. They introduced Dr. Jekyll season three (laughs) at the top of season three. And then, yeah. Okay. They're like, okay, last one, I promise. But it does, it does seem to have the campiness and the omnivorousness that maybe the universal dark universe in its current form never had. Yeah. I think it's sort of what that. Wanted to be. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. should have been. Yeah. Like it it, it was, um, and in part just by having a point of view. And even if the point of view is 
very explicitly like we are a part of a grand tradition mm-hmm. of exploitive trash, mm-hmm. which I think is sort of beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Are there any characters that you kind of wish had made it to the Penny Dreadful cut that didn't? Oh, that's that a good universe? question. I don't I, I don't know that I feel like anyone is super missing. I mean, they do Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Dorian Gray, the Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I okay. feel I feel That's satisfied. I, I don't like how they handle Dracula. Okay. Um but I I, I do think they were like and up Satan's against brother. a wall, like what could you possibly do new with Dracula? And Satan's brother who's like disguising himself as like a friendly like biologist working at a mu- <laughs> No, seriously, he's the nice guy that Eva Green starts dating mm-hmm. when she's depressed because all her friends have left London, which, you know, relatable oh, if you live yeah. in New York. Yeah. All your friends they go, to LA. go away. They go yeah. to LA. Or somewhere. Yeah. They could come back if they wanted. It We're would here. be great. It would be great we're if here. they came back. It would be great if they came back. And in the meantime, we've got our sessions with Patty Lupone. Yeah. We're we're hanging in there. I just I, I think fundamentally I love conceptually the idea of a show that's just about like celebrating copyright expiration dates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like no, absolutely. what's what's the most we can do with the like our budget for licensing is so low, but it's high for everything else. So let's yep. just have fun with it. And that's really cool to me. Like I'm trying to think of another category of fiction where that's the case and it's like I don't know, like Jane Austen. That's like we have why we have yeah. so much Jane Austen. That's why we have so much. Um, I mean, it's why we get a Little Women. Every, little like, Women all the time. Twenty like, years. Like, but uh, in terms of in terms of more genre stuff, in terms yeah. of more like charactery stuff, I don't know that there's really an. A... Well, yeah, I guess because after this period, a lot of that genre stuff, you know, you have fiercer copyright mm-hmm. laws yeah. around it. It's like Disney. So, it's like yeah. Disney's like never, never, never. You're yeah. never getting Mickey. Um, not that not that Mickey would have a good Showtime show. <laughs> um, Eva so, Green as Mickey. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, put Eva Green on it, and the character becomes immediately more interesting. Yeah. Timothy um, Dalton is goofy. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about Penny Dreadful? A final pitch. A final pitch for people who have not seen. Why should they watch it? Uh, you should watch it because you think you are watching Victor Frankenstein create his canonical creature Mm -hmm. in the first two episodes and then uh he gets ripped in half by the actual uh the actual frankenstein's monster uh and he does this right after uh new frankenstein goes i'm gonna make 10 friends (laughs) that's the kind of show it is he says he's he's gonna make 10 friends and then he gets ripped in half oh no okay (laughs) that's horrible yeah I really and I did really love as as a newbie. I was like, this is a, a really great like atmosphere. This yeah. is a good aesthetic. And hold this out for Patty Lupone. She's such a treat on the show. She's good at TV. She, I think she secretly really loves doing TV. I think so too. Well, it's the you know it's the same discipline as being on. You know, you yeah. show up. You're, mm-hmm. it, you you do your part. It's great for yeah. a pro. Yeah, it's great. She's a pro. She's a pro. What is her really funny? What is the Q and A she did that one time where it was like it was one of those. Buzzfeedy things where it's like she's just reading like questions that mm-hmm. are on paper and then to a camera like with a white screen behind sure. her something something about auditions mm-hmm. and she's like when's the last time you like bombed an audition and she goes says something like honey I don't audition yeah. <laughs> something like that and it's like that's the attitude I want from my penny dreadful actors yeah good for Josh Hartnett as well yeah I felt Great proud to- of him yeah I missed him sort it was of nice like to see and he was like very much not stretching himself but mm-hmm. doing. Something. He was the best guy for that part. Yeah, I, you know. And we should all watch Penny Dreadful. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a shot. I think it's Get fun. Get to Patty Lupone. I didn't realize what it was. Yeah. I didn't realize it was like all of these things combined into one. And they keep they keep kind of stacking mm-hmm. things up. 
And I was really excited for the Universal Dark Universe, the Dark Cinematic Universe, and it's such a bust. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, and I do think because there is not a lot of, it's not being made, I think, with people who have a lot of love for the genre. Oh, that's Mm. what's missing. The mummy. They need the the mummy. mummy. The mummies in Penny Dreadful? No, they should be the mummy mummy. in Penny Dreadful. That would have been season four. Eight mummy movies, I think. That's another one. They they make it like every ten years. They make it all the time because why not? Why not? (laughs) Greta Gerwig's the mummy. mummy. (laughs) I would watch. (laughs) It would be good. It would be good. Sersha, (laughs) just Sersha's range. Her biggest role yet. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like she's more of like she would do like the Peter Cushing. Timmy would be the mummy. Timothy Chalamet would be the or Meryl would Meryl would be the mummy, (laughs) just wrapped up the whole time. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. No, don't no, wait. What am I kidding? Tracy Letts. Sorry. Tracy Letts is the mummy. <laughs> Tracy Letts is Tracy Letts is the mummy. Okay. All right. Okay. You heard it here first. Thank you for coming here, Thank Tessa. You for this was very me. fun. We finally got to talk about Penny Dreadful. At long last. You finally convinced me to watch it. Thank you. Bye. You can all watch Penny Dreadful all three seasons on Netflix right now. Or just the first 30 minutes. Whatever. <laughs>